Hi, everybody. I'm Jared. He's DJ, and this is a very special Chroma Day episode of Number One Bullshit. Well, Merry Kerma Bush Day, my guy. Merry Kerma. It's uh, nice to kind of have all these episodes behind us. It's the end of the year. Feels good. Feels real yeah. good. Feels real good. It, it does feel good. Uh, and I am very happy for the listeners to give them the gift of this episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, put it on while you're opening presents. I mean, definitely. Yeah. You know, and because you're all adults and opening presents like children yeah i mean but, i tear yeah. it to mine still yeah i mean just throw it into the playlist right here comes santa claus number one bullshit <laughs> hippopotamus for christmas number one bullshit bullshit it works it. i love yeah. it i mean it flows good playlist yeah and what i don't love is what we're gonna have to start this episode uh talking about well what's what's that yeah um as the loser i will uh, give you your flowers, so to speak. Thank you. Um, and clearly, we're talking about the fight picks. Um, you know, end of the year, DJ. That's my Christmas gift to you. Yeah, tried this last week, man. Giving you this victory. No, just keep saying it till people believe it. Yeah, you're not. You didn't give me shit. Okay, <laughs> I tried my hardest. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. So the final totals. Uh, you were at what seventy four thirty six and. One, Mike Bell. Damn you, Mike Bell. Ugh. And so I finished at 71 39. Um, and one, Mike Bell. Yeah, and Mike Bell. you know what? You know what our Christmas gift is to ourselves, what? to each other? Hmm. We're restarting this in the new year. So unless Mike Bell fucks another one up, He's out of sight, out of mind. Oh, We're leaving you. him in the past like 2023. It's about time. It was fun hearing you say it every week, but. Come on, Mike Bell. Do better. Yeah. 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 Be better. Yeah. Just be Hashtag better. Hashtag be better. Yeah. And so what we're going to do for this episode, a little different than what we normally do. Uh, we are going to go the the route of the kind of end of the year awards and just go over some of the moments that really stuck out to us that we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, years down the road. And if you listen to the episode or to the show, you know we love us a good featured prelim and so we will start off with the one of one 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 thing though just to let everybody know jared and i have a list of things that we wanted to kind of hit on like we're saying the burrs of the burr of the year but we don't know each other's answer and that's kind of where the fun comes in because you're gonna see me get blood red mad at some of his answers i already know i already know i know you too well you're gonna get yeah. me, you're gonna get me upset, um, but it's yeah, gonna be might fun. be a deep cut or two. Yeah, and that's gonna be the most infuriating thing. But let's go ahead and start <laughs> off with the of the. All right, there was a lot of good ones this year, and like going through trying to, excuse me, pare it down was a little difficult. Yes, I mean, like I was looking uh, at quite a few. You had like Frivola Dober, you know, Renot Kevin Lee, uh, Loopy Elise Reed, Joiners and Brito JSP. I mean, shit, last, the last card, Menafield Jacoby. Mm -hmm. Like we had a shit ton, but the one that I ended up rolling with, uh, and once I went back over the cards and saw this one, it was an absolute no brainer for me. 
and that was Robbie Lawler, Nico Price. You motherfucker! That's what I have too. You yeah. son of a bitch. And so, why did you have it? Uh, I'm, I'm. There's a. There might be another pick. I'm kind of leaning on something for later on in the episode as well. Gotcha. The retirement. Robbie Lawler just went out. He's just a good guy. He has one of the dopest sayings of all time. Where he's like, "You're not gonna take his head. We're gonna take his soul." And just like crazy, chewing gum. It's Robbie <laughs> Lawler. I think what was it? 49 second KO, round one. Ends his career on his terms. Man, when I was looking through, I have one of the ones that you said, Brito mm-hmm. Brito versus JSP. I yeah. also had Bonfine versus uh, Trevin Giles, mm-hmm. just because that was like when I jumped on this hype train of this guy. And I'm not even letting his next fight take it away. It, I'm talking yeah. about the event. But the Robbie Lawler one is the one. It's just, oh. it's it's a career. He, he was a champion. He had some... Dog fights in him. Seems like a genuinely good guy. Got to go on his terms and the emotion behind it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you guys know we love emotion. And the going into it, him knowing it's his last fight, it was announced like, hey, I'm retiring after this one. Pairing him with somebody in Nico Price that everyone, like, everyone knew it was going to be fireworks, right? Both those guys show up to fight every single time. And just the way that it played out, he caught him in the single collar and ju- he crumpled him. I yeah. mean, the over the top, it reminded me of the old Don Fry, and I'm forgetting the Japanese guy's name, but just like grabbing and punching, throws the uppercut, comes back over top one more time, just drops him. And then for somebody that is as like Van Dam, straight-faced as Robbie Lawler all the time, I, I got chills re-watching it, and he's down on one knee right after it, head bowed, and everyone's just chanting his name and then the i mean first of all like you don't get these fairy tale endings right like we've watched our heroes in the sport go out face down ass up like it's unfortunate but that's the way that it is for most people or even like the ferguson's where you're on seven fights in in a row where it's just like we need you to stop I didn't mean to yes. get into your... No, yeah, and it, completely. And and good on the UFC for the matchmaking here, too, mm-hmm. of not doing Robbie Lawler dirty and like, oh, cool, we have some of these killers at 170. Hey, we're going to put you in there with Jack Della or Sean Brady for your last fight. Like, they, they did it right. And then for them to hit the retirement package while he was in the cage, and then they had the camera on his face the whole time, and he's just, I mean, lip quivering, like T.O. talking about his quarterback. Like, it was <laughs> emotional, you know? And just to see that from that guy, you could not write a better story, I felt like. And, yeah, no brainer. There's a reason we both picked it. Yeah, I, I, like I said, the Bonfim one got me because I was like, but, man, that retirement. And like you said, the the UFC just did it right. Not saying that they do a lot of things wrong. But if this was a moment to do something right, I believe his fight before that was a Nick Diaz one. It didn't feel satisfying if he would have retired mm-hmm. on that one, right? This one was the ultimate movie thing for a guy that just seems universally loved. Yeah. So I think it's an easy pick. Yeah, and and the the domination, like one of the things that stuck out to me rewatching it was Nico Price apologizing to Robbie Lawler for getting knocked out so quick. <laughs> yeah, like you could see him afterwards like apologizing because he wanted to he wanted to put on a Robbie Lawler type scrap for everybody. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure La- Robbie Lawler's glad he didn't get 
you know, busted up and, and got out on those terms. But yeah, just an, an amazing way to send somebody off. And like, how do you top that as as a feature prelim? Yeah, you really can't. And man, it's it, the retirement thing is what really really gets me. Like you said, we all knew this was it for him, and you your heart's racing for a different reason. You're like, man, I don't want to see Robbie Lawler be old. And luckily, we didn't get to see it. We didn't have to see it, I should say. And what a memory for him. That's that's a that's got to be a beautiful thing for an athlete. It'd be like, I mean, I guess he didn't win a championship, but it would be like winning the Super Bowl. It'd be like making the last your last shot as an NBA player, mm-hmm. even if you're not in the finals, just to be like, my last thing I did was my terms, my way out. It's like Kobe dropping what sixty or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it was just like feed Kobe, right? Like yes. you got Kobe, all time great scorer. Like yeah. just hey guys, we get one last go around yeah. to see this, and and it, that's what it was with Robbie Lawler, and for him to be able to perform under those circumstances where he knows it, everybody knows it. You know, he's forty. I think he was forty one. Like everyone knows. Like this is it. Huge stage. It's on a double title fight card. Yeah, and you deliver. Yeah, and awesome. and that's the thing is like two title fights, and Robbie Lawler had the crowd. Just in unison training, his name is beautiful. Yeah. Well, uh, first category down. Yeah, I'm not blood mad at you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, that might change on this one, so I'll let you go first. <laughs> okay. Uh, what 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 were you hitting up next? Uh, knockout of the year. Really, we're going to KL, huh? Mine okay. was easy. I looked at all the knockouts, and the one that just gets to me the most hype is Adesanya Pe- Pe- Poetan. I'm gonna say mm-hmm. Poetan. So yeah, <laughs> and and it's simple for me. I'm a huge Adesanya fan. He, I think he does a lot of things right. I think with Strickland, people just really like Strickland now, and, and they're forgetting about Adesanya fighting three times a year as an active champion. And he finally got it back, and not only did he get it back, he was losing in kind of the same fashion. He had those calf kicks, like, Jesus. If, if You don't want to get hit by him. Poetan's just unloading, and then he he gets it back. He hits him. He takes the bow and arrow, and that third arrow is a lifetime, I'm going to say lifetime, of this guy beating me, and I finally got it back. The moment's there. He talks shit to the kid's son, I mean, to his Poetan <laughs> son, whatever. Yeah. But that emotion behind it, he took, it's like, I'm going to give the worst example, but it's like if, if someone, if you grew up with a nickname that you didn't like, and then you took control over the nickname, he, he got to take control of his moment, and for me, the reason why I choose it as K over the year is because there might be better knockouts. I mean, there's there was two slams in one night. Yeah. But Adesanya's magic behind it. He he's he's someone that literally for me knows how to soak in a moment. Conor McGregor did it well. Mm. He that moment for me was me almost palms in my hand like he's losing oh no and then screaming at the top of my lungs house to myself calling you immediately and be like he fucking did it and then really another reason i picked this is because i remember the flood of youtube reaction videos of everybody being like no and then adesanya got it he had the world behind him i think except for you know people that didn't like him it's an easy pick for me what's your pick so this one was was difficult to pick. I almost went with, uh, and it's because of what what it meant, what it earned. I almost went with Justin Gaethje head kicking Dustin Poirier to 
win the only belt that matters and be Fair the baddest Fair motherfucker enough. on the planet. But I went a totally different route and ended up going, uh, my man, short hair, poo bear, Brian battle over Gabe green. And it is purely selfish on my part. Cause I was in the building for it. It was, uh, oh, nice. at the UFC Charlotte card and had awesome seats. It was amazing. He misses weight, right? By two pounds. He was the only local guy on the card. The only person from Charlotte on the card. He's fighting second. And the place was packed. The pop when he came out was huge. And it was like, oh, I didn't know Brian, like Brian Battle had it like that. Yeah. You know? And also this was the birth of short hair Pooh Bear. Um, but huge, huge pop. And then the fight starts and green bum rushes him, just blitzes him and starts swinging. Battle's got his back against the cage, gets tagged. And then there was almost a second of like, oh shit, I'm in a firefight. And he just plants his feet and starts fucking throwing, catches him, drops him, lands two more, and immediately just starts like running around the cage. The place went fucking wild. The entered like the event carried that energy up until the the Chase Sherman fight, whoever he fought, because that was a boring fight. Um, but up until that point, it was just high energy, and he kicked it off. He was, like, dancing in the cage afterwards. Uh, it was just, it was electrifying. Like, we went to a card before uh, here in Raleigh, and there were some some pretty cool moments on that card. But this, of all the things, I mean, the Ian Machado, Gary knocking out D-Rod was on that card. Jailton Almeida was on that card. Uh, Olberg was on the card. Like, there were some big knockouts. But Brian Battle had the crowd more amped up than than anybody. And that's, it is my favorite knockout of the year. Might not be the best, but it's my favorite because of what that one meant to me. That makes so much sense because when you're in a crowd, man, it's different, right? Mm. So that's... I saw that one on TV, and it, I don't have those memories. I don't have that moment, right? I don't have the pop of the crowd. No, that's a great pick. I'm, I'm. I, it makes total sense why you would choose that one. Yeah, that's a that's a go. That's a good and <laughs> so a good. So go ahead and you go ahead and kick off the sub of the year then. Uh, well, we're gonna call this one the uh, the Publix Award. Oh, Favorite you're so sub. Stupid. <laughs> you're so dumb. <laughs> so there, there were some. Go ahead and sponsor some. Publics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get some pubs up there. Yeah. Um, there were some very consequential subs this year, right? Like even this last week with Shavkat sub and Wonder Boy. Right, never been done. <laughs> so, so that's pretty impressive. What Brendan Allen did to Paul Craig, Oof. right? Like, come on, Craig, come on, Craig. But the one I'm going with is Volkov tied to Ivasa, the co-main event of UFC, uh, what was that, 293. And the sole reason for that, Ezekiel. Ezekiel at the highest level of the sport. It never happens for people that train or for people that don't train. Generally, it's done in a gi because you need to be able to grab your sleeve to get your arm across the throat. It's like one of the first kind of slick things, at least you think it is, as a white belt that you learn and you spend like weeks trying to Ezekiel everybody and everyone who's, you know, 
rolled before is like, okay, stop. You're not going to Ezekiel me. Yeah. And so you have to have such long arms to be able to do it without a Gion. The only other person that we've seen really do it in the UFC was Alexio Linick, who is built like a gorilla. I mean, just stupid long arms. And to see Volkov pull it off, and he fought a great fight up until that point, too. You know, ate some shots from Tui Vasa, did it in front of Tui Vasa's hometown crowd. Mm -hmm. And to see him work towards it, and as it's going on, like, oh, shit, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, and... My brother and I, like, call it the unicorn because you just don't see it in MMA. So I, I'm, like, on the phone texting my brother, like, holy shit, are you watching this? So, yeah. No, that, 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 that's a great one. I almost went with, just because the consequence. I was kind of looking at consequence, too, right? I almost went with the Aldana Shevchenko. Mm. But. Uh, Grasso. Grasso, I'm sorry. Grasso yeah. shit. Aldana's in my head from. Last week. <laughs> yeah. But I chose UFC Fight Night Strickland versus Magomedov. I chose Renob versus Kevin Lee mm. just because it's what got me. Sometimes you have this thing where you're like, and once again, his next fight wasn't as much of a killer. And it is disrespectful. Stop calling that man boner backwards. I'm going to call him Renob every time <laughs> out of pure respect and love. But it was one of these killer moments that I was like, oh my God, this guy. Yeah, Kevin Lee's not who Kevin Lee used to be at all. He did it in 55 seconds to Kevin Lee, who has jujitsu. He hurt him. He almost Terminator walked him down. Guillot snapped on the guillotine. It was, it was one of these things where looking at all the, finish, uh, the subs for this year, I'm like, which one really got me hyped? Not just like a cool sub. And the Ezekiel, maybe I just don't have as much invested in it because I don't train. I don't know difficulty levels because a guillotine you see people at least lock them in all the time but it was to me it was the same feeling i got when john jones snapped it in on leona machida where mm. it was like this is a killer and it got me hyped about renob it made me a fan of renob and that's the one that kind of it was on a fight night and it was close to my burr, 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 burr pick too right i'm like mm. this is a good one but that's the one for me it I, I will forever be a fan of Renob for that. And I will always be a fan of Renobs. <laughs> yep. Got, got <laughs> nothing, you. Nothing new. <laughs> yeah. So that's my pick, man. Sub of the year. Nice. Nice. The one that it was hard for me not to do just because the the rarity of it was the Damone Blackshear's twister. Yeah. J yeah. Just for him to hit that. I was yeah. like, oh, but I, Ezekiel, just because it's more basic and like definitely as time goes on, going to be more rare in MMA than the twister just because. Like that wild jujitsu is getting more popular. Yeah. And then now we're going to pivot into some of the the fighters that, that we were really excited about. Want to start off, y'all know we like to highlight the prospects. Yes, That's we do. some of the most fun part of watching fights, like just to see these people on their come up. And I'm going to start with one that I was excited about and based off of her performances this year i am even more excited for the upcoming opportunity that she has and that is killer karini silva yeah i knew that uh, i knew that was your pick dude i knew yeah it, I knew it was it. between her and uh lucinda yep yeah, so, lucinda. so just to make sure we we're clear this is our women's fighter of the year prospect edition mm -hmm. yes yeah and so her year two and oh both by sub she uh is I believe it's 17 wins and all are by finish. 
Uh, she is the Shavkat of women's MMA, nice. 100% finish rate. And she was supposed to have another fight this year. She was supposed to start the year off fighting Priscilla Cachueta, but Cachueta missed weight. So like canceled the day before, which was really, really annoying. But her two wins this year, she absolutely destroyed Ketlin Souza's knee in under two minutes. You could see it when she dropped back. It was almost almost like just kind of a straight ankle lock, kind of heel hookish. Um, it's credited as a knee bar, which I don't understand because it definitely was did not. Did you say knee bar? Uh, but yeah, you said, <laughs> I did say knee bar. Uh, but you could see her knee pop, and it was disgusting. And then she steps back in against Marina Morose, who was, had beaten her nine years before in 2014, and just brutalizes her, looked sharp on the feet. And after what we saw in the Ketlin Souza fight, it was like, oh, she's got great jujitsu and she's massive for the weight class. But she showed really, really good kicks. She's powerful. She hurt Morose badly on the feet. And then she has to have like, otherworldly kung fu grip type squeeze because she got morose to tap with a second left in the round yes i mean just crushed her and that has me super excited for her moving forward and you want to talk about a step up and i go i get it some of you might say she's not a prospect she's already top 15 she is ranked 13th but she has yet to fight a top 15 fighter which when we were discussing prospects that's kind of how we were going to set it up is like, yeah, you might be ranked, but we still don't know. Yep. And she has a huge step up. She's going all the way up to fight number six, Lauren Murphy at UFC 299 in March, huge step up. But I like that's going to elevate if she gets that win. And if she keeps that hundred percent finish rate, because if you finish Lauren Murphy, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. Like say what you will about Lauren Murphy she's tough as all get out. And so for, if she gets a finish over Lauren Murphy, who now, now you're not a prospect, you're a contender. Yeah, that's, that's that. I, unfortunately I had between these two women as well. I went on the Lucindo side, the Yasmin okay. Lucindo. And it's purely based on just like eyeball tests. There's something about her when she fights that I'm like, okay, this is someone that I'm going to invest in. Unfortunately, some of these, don't get me wrong, in the in the top of these women's divisions, they're really good. We could talk about Bantamweight. But, at least in flyweight, strawweight, we have really, really good talent. And when you're looking at prospects, you're like, what's what's exciting about a prospect? Because you can have hype all you want. We've had hype in, in the past, and they just don't do it. For some reason, I just feel Yasmin Lucindo is going to live up to some of that height at her young age. She had two fights this year as well. Her fight in 2020, her last fight in 2022, she lost. And then she came back and she won. Two fights, a decision and a, an arm triangle choke in round two. And she's young. She seems like she has a little bit of wildness to her. But also, wise beyond her years almost. She's 21, mm -hmm. dude. 21. Yeah. 21 is insane. Do I think that She's going to be a champion in 2024, no. But, man, there's something about her that when I think she had a bout canceled in September, yeah, September 16, 2023, and it's a bummer to me. If yeah. you're bumming me out because you're not fighting, then there's someone that I'm excited about fighting. So Lucindo's kind of who I, I leaned on. I had both of these yeah. talented women 
on my list, but something about watching some of their fights, I'm like, ah, where I only watched 2023 fights because that's what we're doing. Recapping yeah. 2023. I was just more excited about the the joy that comes from her. She almost has this young angst, like the world is mine. And that's what mm-hmm. kind of leaned me into that side. Nice. And so then on the men's side, who did you have? So men fighter of the year prospect is it's it's easy for me, man. I, I tried so hard to be smarty pants. Dude, I tried so hard to go look at all these other people, but there's one person that I'm ready to see fight the world, and it's Bo Nickel. It's not a question for me. Yeah. Bo Nickel is the guy that <clears throat> there's some part of me that thinks that this guy is better than what we've seen, and we've seen some shit from him. I tried so hard so because when I looked at this category, he's the first person that popped in my head. I was like, okay, well, let me challenge myself. There's really amazing prospects in the in men's. You know, there's a lot of men's fighters, a lot of men's talent out there, a lot of prospects in the middleweight division. Yeah. Yes. Bo Nichols, the guy that I don't know who else's name I hear. And I'm like, why are we not seeing this guy fight more? Watching him fight outside of the UFC fight Gordon Ryan and he's still an amateur and do Man. well. He's special. And we saw him. He has hands. We know he's got the wrestling. He has the personality. I think this guy's a total package. He's the one I'm excited for for men. What about you? Okay. All right. I had it came down to three for me. Uh Diego Lopez yes. was one. Good one. And 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 that includes the fact that he started the year off with a loss. Because he wasn't in the UFC at the start of the year and he lost to a top 10 guy. Yep. So, you know, and, and had him in danger a couple times. So he was one that it was hard for me not to pick. Another one that was really hard for me not to pick was Roman Kopilov. Yep. I, that yep. was one where I was like, oh, he's three and oh, it's like late in the fight finishes. Like, I am very excited to see that guy fight. But ultimately, the great Japanese hope. I know My it. man, Tatsuro Taira, you know, 3-0 on the year, one sub, one knockout. And, I mean, started off with performance of the night against Jesus Aguilar, where he got in a little bit of trouble with the guillotine early, uh, but just methodically got out, worked his way, got to mount, you know, triangle rolled to his back, triangle armbar game over. Just absolutely methodical. So I was super hyped for his next fight. Goes in against Edgar Chires, and we talked about it leading up to, to this last fight he had. At the time, it felt almost like a disappointing performance from him because he almost got got, got at the yeah. end of the third round there. But in retrospect, it's like, okay, that he proved something there that he's not going to panic, that you know he's going to take the steps and possibly learn from that loss of focus because he was dominating Chires the rest of the fight. And then he comes out, Blonde hair, looking like Takanori Gomi for his last fight. And just what he did to Carlos Hernandez, I thought, was was impressive, right? Like, Hernandez is a good prospect, and he bullied him. You know, I mean, just bullied him. There was times where, like, up against the cage, Hernandez had him, and you could just see... Tatsura Tire almost looking like he like oh th- this like this is what you're bringing to me like he almost <laughs> seemed it, it was and like no disrespect to Hernandez but like what Tyra was doing was disrespecting him just that look on his face of like 
oh, this guy's going to be in for a night, you know. Uh, I'm very glad that he had had a fight schedule with David Dvorak, and it fell through, and I'm happy about that because I don't think he needed to be fighting top 15. He's ranked 15 now. I don't think he needs to fight in the top 15. I think he needs to be brought along slowly because he's 23 years old, uh, but he has shown improvement every single time, and that's one of the reasons I am so incredibly excited about him started adding a little more ground and pound, mm-hmm. right? He showed the hands to, to drop Hernandez. He hurt him really badly with the straight, right. And then had that left kind of like shovel hook that, that dropped him. I mean, it was, it was very impressive to me His first TKO in like four years and you're doing it and arguably your biggest fight to date. Um, yeah, I think he's, He's taking on probably top 10 in his next fight, which I'm, I don't want him to, I want him to fight outside of the top 15 again, but how do you do that? He's five and oh in the UFC, right? He wants to be active. So he's, he's going to get some big challenges, but we could be talking this time next year about him being a challenger to the title in 2025. Like he is that level, level of fighter. And we will always go. For our Japanese brothers, man. Oh yeah. So let's let's flip flop. I'll start off with women fighter of the year. Come. Vet. Come. And this answer is purely based on my heart. Okay. Come. Amanda Nunez retiring. It is. Mm. It is for me the most. There's, there's no other woman, even though she's retired, there's no other woman I want to fight, want to see fight more. Not want to fight. I do not want to fight you. <laughs> yeah. There's no she other woman. Fuck that, you up. Yeah, there's no other woman <laughs> that I'm more excited to see fight. I wish she would come back. I'm so happy for her and her family. She's got kids. There's no other woman that I wanted to see continue just bullying these, these people that she's fighting. She got her win back from Julianne Pena in 2022. So she only fought once in 2023. So it's kind of a... It's kind of a bullshit ass answer, but <laughs> lifetime achievement award. But <clears throat> she has brought us some of the, I mean, the Ronda Rousey beatdown, right? The close yeah. fights that she had with, um, I'm gonna say Shevchenko, mm-hmm. Misha Tate. I believe she had a close fight with her too. Um, oh no, Kat Singano, where she lost. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. these these moments. But when she beat Cyborg and she's running around, the, all these things are what makes someone a superstar. I think her personality is great. I think she's someone that you believe wants to be better and shows that she wants to be better. When she fought Arena Eldana, it was not as Robbie Lawler-esque in the moment of, I knock you out 55 seconds and I'm out, but it was, she's probably going to retire, right? There was Mm -hmm. a part of me that wanted her to get one more in for Juliana Penn and just shut her up one more time. But she got to leave on her terms, and we 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 saw the greatest women's fighter of all time leave on her terms, mm. and she looked happy with her decision. The emotion didn't look like an emotion of "I'm gonna miss this sport." It's just, it's just like this has been my life. But I saw someone at peace inside of a cage in the moment that mm. she says, "I'm done," and we talked about it every time. Every time Amanda Nunez was was locked in for a fight, we were just as stoked as anybody else yeah. her she's she's the vet for me this this for 2023 and, and i can't skip over nice the, I, the linus i i appreciate that appreciation yeah. because that's yeah i mean i know it's an audio podcast but i was sitting here smiling throughout that because it does talking about amanda nunez brings back good memories oh right God. and not just 
of what she did in the cage, but the conversations you and I had over the phone every time she was going to fight, every time she did fight, you, you know, just all of those moments that she brought to two fans of hers. And so, yeah, great, and, great call out. And, and one of the things just before you give your top women's vet of the year, one of the things that a, a, a fan favorite fighter does, or at least a fan favorite for me is when you lose, it hurts. When they lose, it hurts you, right? Mm -hmm. It bums you out. When Amanda Nunez lost, I was the first person being like, she didn't look, she didn't look right. You know, like all these things giving her excuse. Yeah. Cause I'm like, something was off. I wanted her to get it back when she got it back. I got joy out of something that I have no investment in other than entertainment. Yeah. So who's your pick? Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I went a different route. Uh, it boiled down to three once again for me. Uh, one was in, you know, this is weight class, Mayra Bueno Silva. Yeah. Just because this time last year, no one was, was talking about her and she's fighting for a title next month. Yeah. So, Insane. you know, that huge uh, Aaron Blanchfield, because she is somebody that huge prospect, huge prospect, and has lived up to it every step of the way, had some really big wins. You know what? I mean, what she did to Andrade, like that, that was big. And then the win that she ended up getting over uh, Tyler Santos, like that's, that's a huge win, yep. you know? And, and so it was hard not to go with her, but ultimately Lupe Godinez. Really? Uh, yeah, I had to go loopy because at this time last year, she was three and three in the UFC and she went four and oh this year. Um, now I get she has a lot of decisions, but she went from 500 in the UFC. She's now ranked number 11. I mean, you could see her get better every fight. That gym, Lobo gym, which always makes me think Globo gym. Which is hilarious. Dude. Uh, every time. Yeah, I hope it's intentional. Uh, but that gym had such a year with with Grasso, with Aldano, with Lopez, you know, and then she's part of that. And she used the stage of Noche UFC, where it was a one of the better fight night, if you can call it that, cards, free cards that we've had. I mean, there was a title fight on it. And for her to use that stage and the stage of the Featured prelim. Uh, she, I remember before that, you and I not necessarily on the on the air, but in our phone conversations, we're like, why is that one the featured prelim? Because yep. there was other, I think Roman Coppola was on that card, and we we're like, why is he not the featured prelim? And then she goes out there, bullies Elise Reed. I'm pretty sure she broke her arm, and Elise Reed's just a G and didn't <laughs> tap. Um, and then eventually, like, work to the rear naked choke. Like she went full Khabib like, Oh, I can damage her arm, but like, she's not going to tap. So I have to, you know, go to try to put her to sleep. And then parlayed that into a spot on UFC 295, which was another double championship card and beats. I think she was ranked number 10 at the time, baby shark tabs at Ricci. Yeah. And and so it was just this constant improvement every single time. And then she now has a fight booked coming up in March against number six ranked Vina Janjadova. So here is somebody that was 500 at the start of the year. And now she's getting herself a top 10, you know, her second top 10 fight. And you beat Janjadova. Guess what? You're one or two away. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and so that to me, that's how it was a little different. 
uh, then some of those other ones, kind of the theme with all of them was that rise, but just to see that steady improvement. Like I felt with Blanchfield, not saying she's not getting better, but she's just like dominating people. We know what she is. Yep. And with Loopy, it was like, oh, okay, here's somebody that wants to fight a lot, but is losing fights that they probably shouldn't lose. And then now has kind of turned that corner. Fair enough. I mean, it's it's a it's a great point. And, and when you see someone active that many times in a year, Dude, it's mm-hmm. it's it's not easy. I mean, just imagine if me if I was like, hey man, let's go for like a three mile run. We would be dead tomorrow. Yeah, right. Like I would be yeah, sore. I'd, yeah, I would like fat kid in PE class. <laughs> I'd I'd walk around it. Yeah. So so f- to be in fight mode all the time has got to be mentally exhausting. It shows her mental strength for sure. Obviously, she has the physical abilities, but that mental thing's uh not easy. So well, great pick. Uh, what mm-hmm. about what about man? Oh, so this one was really hard. This one was was difficult. <sighs> I was gonna go deep cut on here um and and pick something absurd. Uh, chose not to. I was leaning Brendan Allen actually because he he had a hell of a year. you know there's there's the obvious Sean Strickland, somebody that you got to talk about. And then I almost went uh, with my band Benoit Sonfini to me. But why? Because he murders people in real life. Yeah, because he is an absolute savage and is terrifying. And people make f- make fun of the French military, but that guy's French special forces, and he scares the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but ultimately, uh, you guys know me. I'm a I'm a sucker for the dad stuff. I'm emotional. Um, so I went Tom Aspinall. Okay, and Aspinall two and zero. Oh, this is coming back after being out for one day shy of a year after blowing his knee out in what was his biggest fight, Curtis Blades. I mean, huge for him at the time. And for him to come back and leading into the Marcin Tibera fight, openly talking about, like, I had to make changes to my life because the way I was training, the people I was surrounding myself was not championship caliber. And so for him to go in there, put out Tibera, right, under two minutes, and then to basically short notice, right? Short notice step in for an interim title fight. Everyone's saying, well, he's going to have to wrestle Pavlovich because, you know, scariest striker since in the UFC, since Ngano left. Ate his best shot, took it right on the chin, just readjusted his mouthpiece and then fucking starches it. Yeah. And so then that to see him, you know, running around the cage, crying by the time they finally let his corner in for those of you that don't know his dad corners him which i don't want to ever doubt paternity but his dad looks like he might be my size and tom aspinall is a huge human small (laughs) yeah so but to see that like embrace of them like as a father just kind of you know hit me right in the heart and so to to see that that's why he's mine. That kind of the whole story behind it. And then also he might be the best heavyweight on the planet too. I mean, it might be, it's, it's, it's hard to say he's not just because we don't know what some of the other, you know, main car. I mean, like the main character heavyweights, John Jones and Steve mm-hmm. Miochicks are doing. Uh, that's a great pick. Actually, it, he was, he was one of mine and I'll tell you why I didn't go that route. So yeah. I had, I had, I had three on my list. Tom Aspinall was the fourth, but the reason why, and I, uh, the, my one of my other people was John Jones as well, 
because John Jones came back and he made people believe the heavyweight division sucked. And mm-hmm. Tom Aspinall didn't do that with his wins. So Fair enough. Tom Aspinall won twice this year, and not once did I go, oh, the heavyweight division is just garbage. When John Jones beat Cyril Gone, people went, well, it's just a bad division, though. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you're seeing the GOAT. So mm-hmm. he was he was above Tom Aspinall on that. I didn't okay. choose him. For me, it was between Islam and O'Malley. Mm-hmm. My, my heart wants so bad to go for O'Malley. But, man, he only fought once this year. And the way he did it, the, the reason why I want to go O'Malley is because he's one of those guys that just seems like he speaks life into fruition, right? Everything he says is going to happen is going to happen. When he beat Peter Yawn, people thought, thought he wasn't going to win. Whether, thought, whether you thought he won or not, doesn't matter. He got the dub. And then he goes in and he starches Aljamain Sterling, Sterling like, his, like he's cake, right? Aljamain mm-hmm. fought Cejudo. Aljamain fought Peter Yawn. And everything around Sean O'Malley, the interviews, the style, the the brand that he has. I went Islam, though, because mm-hmm. Islam this year earned the definitive pound-for-pound pound ranking number one, right? I think John Jones fights in Madison Square Garden end of the year and wins. I think he, there's no denying it. I just don't want to be the guy that goes Islam Islam didn't do what he had to do. He had one of the most entertaining fights of the year. At least top, you know, five, ten fights of the year with Volk on the first one. And then he comes back and he says, Look how much better I am. Yeah, Volk's off the couch, but that's on Volk. That's not on Islam. Mm-hmm. You can't blame somebody for training all the time, training hard. Islam, I, I have to choose you because you submitted yourself as pound for pound. You're the clear lightweight goat right now. I don't know who's going to beat you. Everybody else I can see losing in their division. O'Malley, I can see Aspinall losing. Mm. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to put my money on Islam losing any of his next fights or his upcoming fights. So chose Islam and that's just the way it is. Yeah. And just since you brought up O'Malley, it made me think about something you said uh, earlier, I think when you were talking about Izzy. And just him like drinking in the moment. Oh, he you does know? It so well. And and that was one of the amazing things about O'Malley after he knocked out Aldo. Instead of like the oh my god, right? Him and Aspinall, two totally different things, right? Aspinall's running yes. around crying, and O'Malley just calmly circles the cage. And he's not just doing it like mugging the crowd. He's doing it like looking out at the crowd and just absorbing, you know, hey, here's my lifetime's work. This I'm enjoying this. I want to remember this, and that's that's special. Yeah, you actually see him. Present. Him and Izzy breathe it in, right? They both mm-hmm. breathe it in. And now O'Malley, I think he said since then, he's like, I just want to make sure I'm not waking up. Like this isn't <laughs> a dream. This isn't one of the dreams, the million dreams I have for the fight. Yeah, he drinks it in. I'm just a fan of O'Malley, right? I'm a, I'm more of a fan of O'Malley's brand than Islam, but you know, yeah. like I said, I, I I went Islam for that. Yeah, and. I mean, the Islam knockout of Volk was, I think, shocking for people just relative to what the first fight between them looked like. But that takes us to our next one. What was the most shocking thing for you this year? I'm going to say the most shocking fight result. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see this on everyone's list. 
I just have to agree with it. Grosso versus Shevchenko. Shevchenko had this mm. aura of she just had this aura of invincibility, and Grosso grinded her over, and she beat her. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of this pick is easy because the next fight has the Mike Bell involved. <laughs> but but you have this moment of somebody that damn you, Mike Bell. Damn you, Mike Bell. You have this moment, and and don't get me wrong. When you're doing research for this type of stuff, you're gonna in your peripherals, you're gonna see other people's lists, right? And, and uh, that's fine. It's fun. It's all fun because it might remind you of stuff. This is in everybody's biggest upset of the year, or whatever. But when it just comes to fight results. There's some fights, like, you could choose Izzy Strickland. And I, I was going Izzy Strickland, but there's a part of me that, looking back and re-watching the fight, I'm like, I mean, I, I, I can have hindsight. I just, Shevchenko just felt like the, the Amanda Nunez of her division. <laughs> and Grosso said no, and then Grosso still has her number in the second fight. Kind of. I think that Grasso lost. But I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go too deep. I don't want to drag out an answer that I don't really have. It's just looking at all these fight results. I'm like, uh, I, I have to agree with a lot of these people saying Grasso versus Shevchenko yeah. won. Yeah. I, I almost went like super deep and was going to go with, I, I believe it was on the, it was Vegas 76, which I think was Strickland Abus, uh, when Elvis Brenner punched Gurum Kuta Taladze in the neck and shut him off, just because, like, that was shocking. That's yeah. the first time I've ever seen that. Like, that that shocked me. But I I went with the other one you mentioned, Izzy Strickland, yeah. just because after Izzy had the, the KO, yeah. you know, after he shot the arrows, I think everyone, like, Izzy's stock was at an all-time high. Oh, yeah. Right. I think everyone was was on Izzy Strickland short notice. It's you know, known that like he wasn't who they originally wanted. Right. Like it was supposed to be Drakus. It fell through. And so, I mean, I, I don't even want to look at what the line was on that because I mean, it was disrespectful, <laughs> you know, and I think I think the Strickland one in hindsight, it's kind of like it's not as shocking because it's like, oh, yeah, Strickland does that to everybody except for Pajeda. But I don't think there was anybody going into it except for the people that, you know, wear fedoras and want to say that they, like, know what was go it was going to happen. Uh, I don't think anybody was like, oh, yeah, no, it's going to stay on the feet the whole time. And Strickland is just going to present like Willem Dafoe naked, but just extraordinarily <laughs> confusing and and just bully him. And And that, like, we had not seen that. And so that, to me, I was shocked at that. Like, hindsight, it seems like, oh, yeah, well, I get how that could have happened. But at the time, he drops him in the first round, and we're like, oh, fuck. And then it just, there was that feeling the whole time of, like, when's Izzy going to get going? When's he going to get going? And it's the ultimate, like, I don't want to say super flashy, but, like, you have a guy at, like, doctorate-level striking. Oh, yeah. And Strickland, I think, is there as well. But because of his style, it looks more like you. anybody thinks they could do it, right? Like, oh, he just stands in front of him and, like, punches him. Like, no. And when you look at how he rolls with it and, like, he doesn't get hit clean. But I think, like, it, the optics of it were very shocking to me. Yeah, and, and just to kind of bring a point, 
uh, on average about a minus six fifty for Izzy plus mm. four seventy five for Strickland. So I mean, no one. And and the reason why I was leaning on that one as well, I think the thing that kind of got me away from it, now that you know something that you chose was just the short notice thing. Anytime mm-hmm. you see a short notice fight, especially with an active champion, everyone's trying to get as good as Izzy. And to your point, yeah, Izzy's like doctorate in striking. Sean um, Sean Strickland is as well, but boxing, right? He, he's not a he's not a kickboxer doctorate, but his boxing is obviously that Philly shell is something special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was you know. I, I easily see I, your first pick. I would never, never, <laughs> never. But yeah, I, I think I was bummed out. I was shocked with Izzy struggling yeah. result. I was just like, yeah. no. Right. And then, I mean, when you really want to even go down further, why didn't I pick that? Because even the lead up, they're in Australia and people are siding with Strickland. That was shocking, yeah. right? Yeah. And now the whole thing. No, no one's a fan of Izzy anymore. And it's shocking. It's like, what are you guys doing? So I, I really think the optics of Izzy getting in the cage after DDP beat Whitaker and, you know, trying yeah. to get him, bait him to saying the N word. I think, <laughs> I think that didn't help his brand, but yeah, yeah shocking. And, shocking. And that was one that was on there for me too, was DDP you know, hater of doorbells, his, <laughs> his dominance of, of Whitaker. Yeah. Like that was shocking because we didn't know what DDP was at that point, you know, and then he goes in and dominates Whitaker. Yeah. Diamond gutter, um, does good yoga. <laughs> and, and then also I think Volk Volk's performance against Islam in that first fight. I think like that was surprising yeah. that, you know, if you'd have said, yeah, there, it's going to be a grappling exchange at the end of the fight and Volk will be on top, you know, pounding islam's head like i don't think people i don't like that to me was like oh did not expect that yeah absolutely not. it's why we love mma though because you never ever know what's going to happen and then one of the uh big categories um and this one was just fun doing research for fight of the year fight of the year man i tried so hard not to have recency bias on this because yeah. one of the best fights I've seen this year is this last 296, Arena Aldana versus um, Car- Hosa. Is it Car- Carole? Carole Hosa. Hosa. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, man, it's just, it's recency bias, but I'm not going to lie. Fight of the year for me is Islam versus Volk 1. It just is. Mm-hmm. It was, it was me being a huge fan of Volk. There's so many fights, dude. There's so many fights that you. It was can a great choose. year. Oh, it's yeah. such a good year. Yeah. But this fight lived up to everything. I think we wanted to see. I think this fight had even Islam level up after the fight. You know, to just to it had everything that you would want. It had a, a guy that you feel like an underdog coming from a, a weight division down. It had. Back and forth, it had dominance on one side. It had, you know, Volk pumping up the crowd and and taking him down and feeling like, oh my god, he's winning by the end of the fight. It had the weirdest result ever of Volk losing but still being pound for pound over hmm. Islam. Very very strange. It had that big fight event, um, like feeling. It lived up to it, and it made for this mystique about Volk, which I'm very happy for. But also, it gave Islam the chance that when he comes back and does what he does in the second fight, to be like, oh, we get it. So that's my choice, man. What about you? 
I Aldana Hosa was up there. Yeah, that yeah, that was one be. of those. Um, another one that's kind of in that same vein, uh, but the result made me not pick it. Uh, Nazim Sidakov and Slava Claus. Okay. Um, You're just a huge because Slava fan. huge Slava fan, the fact that it would like Slava was beating him up for two rounds and then got absolutely annihilated and just hanging on for dear life to end the fight. You know, I mean, and so it ended in that draw. Plus, they both hit the list Ginka afterwards, there which was is. awesome. Uh, but if that one wasn't a draw, I think I that might have been it for me. Uh, and then, uh, Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner was a hell of a fight, hell of a fight. But ultimately, I'm going to go with another fight that was on that card, and that's Brandon Moreno, Alessandro Pantoja. Can't go wrong with that fight, man. Oh man, I'm so I rewatched it again today. It's the like the third time I've watched it recently, just because of the you know prepping for Pantoja Raw Dog, and the way that that fight went with. Pantoja blitzing him round one, hurting him, drop, drop Moreno round one, then looks gassed in round two, right? Loses two, bounces back in three, really close four that actually not a single judge gave to Pantoja, which I was surprised about because it was a close fucking round. Mm -hmm. But now you're going into round five. It's two, two. On two judges' scorecards, oh, yeah. the third one was uh, freaking Ben Cartlidge had it three-one Moreno going into the fifth, which I don't rewatching it. I do not understand. I think if anything, it could have been three-one Pantoja okay. going into the fifth. But for it to be that both guys knowing this is what it boils down to, and you have Pantoja, who I mean, it looked like he gassed after round one. Yeah. Catches his second wind for round three, fights tough in round four, but like visibly slowing down against a cardio machine with some of the fastest hands in the UFC period. For him to have that mental, mm -hmm. that ability to go in there and be like, this is everything I've worked for in my whole life. And then to secure it. And then on the mic afterwards, like, are you proud of me now, dad? Like that. Oh, Ooh. what a I moment. Mean, go goosebumps. And I remember being in the moment watching it because that was actually after uh, we previewed that card for our, our first uh, um, episode yeah. of, the, of the podcast. And I remember watching it and just being like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Oh, like, yeah. I, I cannot wait to talk about it. And still, you know, six months later, five months later, I love talking about that fight. It, it, there was such high level. It showed different ways that it can be done, right? Moreno with basically a boxing heavy fast hands. You have the Marauder in Pantoja who also has smothering grappling. You know, Moreno's just grappling to stand back up. Like it, that was just a hell of a fight. Like even go, like I said, going into it, watching it again, I was like, Oh, like who, who's got this? I can't score round four. And I already know the outcome. Um, but yeah, don't know what the judges were looking at round four. I'm so shocked. Not one of them gave it to Pantoja, but that's what makes great fights too. Right? Yep. Like oh, not yeah. no, it being so razor close. And then the ultimate, um, uh, just stakes 
there of it being for a title. And also that division was stuck in the mud mm -hmm. because you had the quadrilogy between Moreno and Figueredo. Not that they were bad fights. They were fucking awesome fights. And realistically, that is the only situation where a quadrilogy would be warranted yep. where it's one, 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 right? Yeah. Like one and one in a tie. And then to have this fight happen, Pantoja had already beaten him once on the ultimate fighter once already in the UFC and had not sniffed a title shot because of the quadrilogy that was going on. And I remember him having one of the most respectful callouts in the world of Brandon Moreno of like, hey, I'm the only guy who's beaten the champion twice. So, you know, that's a fight I would really like. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, okay, but man. yeah, but then come like, you know, two years later and it's fight week where it's actually going down and he's just, he's a different human. Oh, yeah. He's mo he's so motivated. And yeah, just everything around that fight. Loved, love that. Fight. Well, uh, get ready because very, very soon Moreno's fighting Amir Obazi in Mexico mm, City. And yes, we could be seeing a rematch if Moreno gets that dub. So, yes, uh, if, that's, if that's a rematch, we have to watch again. Poor, poor Moreno. First of all, just has rematch galore. No, but if that's something that we see in 2024, baby. Ooh, mm. ooh, yeah ooh. Uh, i mean moraine i'll watch moreno fight anybody i'm more excited about pantoja after what he just oh, did yeah, to to raw dog to be able to control the chaos yeah Fuck level yeah. up when you're champion right yep absolutely love that fight and our next category is going to be something we didn't love and that was the fight that we were so excited about and then just disappointed because it either didn't come to fruition or it was canceled um, and I want to hear, I want to hear yours on this one. I, I'm going to say four and then I'll tell you my answer on the fifth yep. going through yeah. one of these has my heart. We talked about a little bit earlier. Nunez Pena that, that mm. oh, I just wanted her to get it. I wanted her to retire on that one because Pena's forever going to say I retired you. And it just makes me sad. <laughs> wonder, wonder, wonder boy versus Michelle Pajeda. I mean, come on. That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Mm -hmm. that, those were both slated for UFC 289. Didn't happen. UFC 294, Islam versus Dubronx, the rematch where Dubronx just came off beating Dariush, and you're like, oh, this is going to be amazing, and then we see the vault thing and whatever happened. But also on that card, Costa versus Hamzat. Oh, come on. But the one that I'm the most disappointed, and I will forever be disappointed because now that it's going to happen in eight months or whatever – I'm not excited about it anymore. UFC 295, canceled bout, Jones versus Miocic. The reason why I'm so disappointed is because, like I said, the difference between what Jones did in 2023 and Aspinall did was Jones made it seem like the division sucked. It's like he fought one time, and he made a whole division seem that sucked. That like Now that he's not fighting, we're like, man, the top of this division's amazing. But we, we had one time to be excited about a 42-year-old man that hasn't fought in three years fighting John Jones, and I don't know if I can get hype about it again. John yeah. Jones was going to fight twice in a year in heavyweight. Maybe it was a retirement fight. How do you not get excited? We talked about it so much. I'm bummed out. I don't want to see John Jones's last fight. I just don't. But if that yeah. if it is, let's see it. It got canceled. Now we're still going to see it. They're holding the division. Aspinall's going to do an interim title like he's gonna he's gonna defend his interim belt. John yeah. Jones is gonna come back and fight somebody that's not the interim fight. Whatever. John Jones versus Miocic is the disappointment for me because you want to talk about ultimate stakes. We're talking about the goat maybe leaving leaving MMA for good. 
and I want to see him fight. What about you? Um, I'm right there with you. Yeah. The, yeah, Joan, Joan Stipe, the, I mean, Stipe, like this fight has to happen. Like Dana White's not going to let it not happen. And I mean, what happens if in six months or eight months, whenever this fight is supposed to happen, somebody gets injured? I know. Like that, that's what frustrates me about it. It, it is holding up the division. I mean, Stipe hasn't fought since March of 2021. So it'll be over three years since the last time he fought. And Jones has fought once since February of 2020. And Jones, this was, I mean, prime Jones, right? Like we lost many years throughout his prime. We lost many years of the greatest of all time. And then for some reason, there's some like legacy surrounding, I get Stipe, greatest UFC heavyweight, you know, all time, Fedor has to be in the argument. But, you know, greatest UFC heavyweight, but like that was years ago. And so that one's disappointing to me. One, because anytime you can see John Jones fight, that's special. It's like Khabib, right? Yeah. Like it is special to watch this human being fight. And so there was that disappointment. And then after Aspinall did what he did, I mean, I was more excited about it potentially being Jones Pavlovich. But now that Aspinall did what he did, yep. like that, that's not going to happen. And that for some reason, Aspinall's title can't be legitimized until two people that are not fighting end up fighting. Super disappointing. Some of the other ones that I was disappointed in that I want to mention, but you know, obviously Joan Stipe is the one. Jack Della, Sean Brady Ooh. Uh, at UFC 290. That yeah, um, Paulo Costa, Ikramala Scarab was supposed to be 291, Ooh. and then Costa got rebooked to fight Chemayev at 294. I just wrote 294 because there's the two that you mentioned: Dubronx, Islam, uh, two. Costa Chemayev and then Ikram Alaskarov yep. got rebooked to fight Nasruddin Imovov on that card, and all three of those got canceled. And then one that I had totally forgotten was booked 292 Sahudo versus Cheeto. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Those, the, the, see, here's the thing about canceled fights usually mean that the matchups that we want to see were going to happen. Mm-hmm. All these suck. But yeah, I mean, it's hard not to put John Jones. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> I believe we're on to our last category. Question mark? Here, drum roll. Event of the year. I want to hear you go first because this one, this one was a toughie because I didn't know, and I'm going to lead you into it and let you answer. I didn't know if I should go what event had me most excited in real time or what event I have the best memory of in hindsight. So Mm. event of the year, it is off. Yeah, so it, as far as overall events, it came down to three for me. Me too, man. Let's see if we have the same, baby. 296. Yes. 295. Yeah. 290. Okay. Th- those were the three for me. Uh, I do real quick, though, just want to say that the undercard for uh, Fight Night Luke versus RDA Unbelievable. (laughs) Absolutely unbelievable. You had seven finishes in seven fights. And the uh, let me let me find that card here real quick, because it is the average fight time there. So you had of the seven finishes, only one left the first round. Insane. 
it was a finish of Jacqueline Amarim over uh, Conejo Ruiz, and that was uh, in the third round. So if you remove, and including that one, total fight time, 33 minutes, 52 seconds. If you remove that one, the average fight time of those prelims was three minutes and 22 seconds. That's so dumb. So you had uh, Luana Santos stopping Juliana Miller. You had Damon Blackshear's twister. You had Amarim with a third round finish at Conejo. Martin Budai and his one unpedestrian performance in the UFC. Kamora, Josh Parisian. The debut of, and we still haven't seen him fight again since, Isaac Dolgarian. Mm. What he did to Francis Marshall. Terrence McKinney in under 90 seconds against Mike Breeden. And then the featured prelim of that one. Marcus McGee against JP Buys in two minutes and 19 seconds. I mean, it was just finish, finish, finish. They were all knockout TKOs with the exception of a twister. Yeah. So had to bring that up because that was just fucking phenomenal. And then ultimately when I was looking at 296, I was like, okay, there is definitely some recency bias there for me. And there were some, as good as the co-main and main event were, as interesting as they were, they didn't necessarily deliver on the level of the excitement. 100, and that's the, I don't mean to cut off your thought, that's, it's so hard because, god damn, was that a good card, and then Mm. the title fights just weren't there. Yes, it was everything up until then, Yeah, right? And so then ultimately it came down 295. 290 were were the two I was looking at. And I was looking at 295, started off with a bang with Jamal Emmers. He had missed weight. It didn't look, you know, he thought he was on the outs. Boom, finishing in under a minute. Then you had Josh Van, Kevin Borjas, where Josh Van was putting on, I mean, just a a clinic, absolute clinic. Uh, You had Jared Gordon stopping Mark O. Madsen first round. Then you had the uh, Sadikov, Slava Claus fight, which was you know, one of my contenders yeah, for fight of the year, which, the yeah, which on an undercard, right? Matosh Rambetsky. Then you had the loopy Tabitha Ricci fight. Then you got into the <laughs> Steve Ursig, good fight, but it was kind of a, a lull yeah. right there. Then you looked at the main card on that one, all finishes. Right. I, I made a note here. My my apologies if I'm stealing some of your thunder here. Not at all. Uh, but the main card was 21 minutes and 33 seconds Jesus of fight time. Christ. All five finishes. The average fight time was four minutes and 19 seconds. Two of those fights were championship fights. So you had two fights scheduled for five rounds, and the average fight time was four minutes, 19 seconds. It was uh, Benoit Saint-Denis. Or sorry, it started off with Diego Lopez knocking out Pat Sabatini, which is not the way anybody saw that one going down. Then you had San Denis head-kicking Matt Frivola out of MSG. Return of Andrade being violent, and that was the one that made it a bit of a lull for me, Mm -hmm. just because we didn't see the Dern from the Angela Hill fight. We saw the Dern from before those fights. Correct. But then you had Aspinall, which talked about, I mean, my fighter of the year and one of my contenders for knockout of the year. And then Pajeda, what he did to Yuri. Now, the main event, there was some controversy controversy in that stop. Controversy? 
controversy. My my apologies. Um, so then it came down. I was looking at 290. You had Jesus Aguilar overhand right Shannon Ross and in, into fucking purgatory. I don't know if he's woken up yet. His head slammed <laughs> off the ground so hard. You had Cameron Simon just displaying everything that he has, submissions, attempts to reverse. I mean, just beautiful finishes it with ground and pound. Vitor Petrino on there getting coached up on how to finish the triangle. Mm-hmm. Right? His first first submission of his career in the UFC. You had Menafield, Jimmy Crute. Then you had Denise Gomez just blitzing Yasmin Howergy, which, I mean, Howergy was somebody we were very excited about as a prospect, and Denise Gomez was like, nah, nah, we're not doing that. And then my man Tatsuro Tyra. Yes. And then in our... You had the... You had the the Robbie Lawler moment. And so you had that moment as well. Then we had your prospect of the year, Bo Nickel. Then we had fight of the year contender, Hooker Turner. One of the most shocking results in doorbell hater still knocks, taking out Bobby Knuckles. Then my fight of the year, Pantoja Moreno. And then, oh yeah, we still had Volk dominate Yair. Absolutely dominate Yair. And this is Volk coming off of a loss to Islam, to Islam. where you're like, you know, does it change you? Nope. Nope. I I mean, Yair was the guy where it was like, here's this young dude, and now they're saying it with Taporia, and it's a little different because we just saw Volk get finished. Yes. But Yair was the guy. Mm-hmm. And Volk, nah, hold my Vegemite. You ain't there yet. Yeah. And and, and so, proved it. So just sorry to to cut you off there. We had two fight of the year contenders. One of my shocks of the year contenders, my prospect of the year, your prospect of the year, featured my featured prelim of the year, and then fight of the year. So and when I was looking at that, I was like, oh, how can I not pick 290? So I went 290. I I 100% agree 290. One one I was kind of looking at just in my peripheral as well was 287, and it was just because of some of the moments it had. Uh, that was the Izzy versus Pajeda knockout. Mm. Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Masvidal. That's one of those, like, ugh, you know, Rob Font versus Yanez, though, where Rob Font showed somebody that you're not there yet. Holland versus Ponzinibbio. Holland. I am I mean, from Holland. Isn't that weird? But Holland's <laughs> always fun. You had Rodriguez sunning. I guess it's Rosas in that, but you had that feature prelim with Kevin Gaslam versus Chris Curtis. Mm. Where you're like, oh my God, what a fucking banger. Kevin Gaslam's always a dog. I'm not going to keep going down the list because. Well, two- I, I got to mention one more. Okay, go ahead. Body bags. Body bags. On the card. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> the, the clear answer for me was 290 for the reasons that you said. I, I don't need to rehash on what you just said. I don't need to build on it. It was the event that. Like I said, it was, okay, do I look at it as the event that I was most excited about or the event? But look at some of these cancel fights on this 290. Figueredo versus Monel Cop. What? Mm. You know, like Della Malalane versus Josiah Harrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was supposed to fight yep. Brady and, and then, then was supposed to fight Harrell. And, then, and, and it's like uh, you have you have him trying to fight Brady. Fight. It's, it's just one of these things. This card, I think it's the clear... But 296 would have had it with maybe one of the two 
title fights really were not. You know what? Leon Edwards goes out there and starts as Colby. I think two ninety six mm-hmm. gets it right. I think. Yeah. I think I disagree with some of these people saying he played it safe. I think he played it smart. Two ninety is the one. Just to, just to stack up on a on an amazing year of cards. 290 is just the one that was just a little bit better, man, for yeah. all the reasons that you said. Like I said, I don't want to go back down the list. Whatever you said, all the things that you said, not whatever you said, all the things you said are the reasons why 290 is the clear-cut winner. And I thought it was kind of, I remember as we were getting ready to launch the podcast that we had kind of circled that date of like, oh, look at this card. This is going to be really fun to talk about. Mm. So, and and we're going to talk a little bit about what that journey was here in a second. But to look at that card and be like, oh, we gotta we gotta kick off the podcast with that one. And then it lived up to the hype. Yeah. So then the next episode we were able to talk about. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And one thing before we we start to wrap this up, one thing I do want to mention, uh, and this just kind of goes back to I guess us knowing each other for a very long time and and being as close as we are, because I had written down in my notes a a moment from the year that I wanted to bring up and you and I were talking on the phone uh, a couple hours ago before we started recording this. And there was a moment that you raised that you said you didn't know where it fit in, Mm -hmm. but you felt it needed to be mentioned. And I had actually made a note at the very end to make sure that I brought it up. Uh, And that that was before I talked to you. Yeah. So strange. Go ahead and tell, tell the people what, what like, the connection that we have, this is why we do the podcast. Yeah. And guys, he's being dead serious. He's telling me, I didn't even know this until just now. So go ahead and lay it when, on. When we were talking on the phone, I was, I was smiling when you told me that. And I was like, oh, I got a treat for you because I was planning on talking about yeah. that anyways. Nice. Uh, and that is Korean Zombie Send Off. Oh, my God. The, I mean, the card started at 5 a.m. Uh, it was a you know crazy card, but it ended him versus Max Holloway and the final walkout to the cage for Zombie, who has, I mean, absolute fan favorite favorite his whole career. I think ever since the Leonard Garcia fight in WEC, yes. everyone's been a fan of this guy. And for as he's walking, you know, he's synonymous. There are certain fighters that are synonymous with their walkout song, right? Volk land down under, which still makes me laugh every Hilarious. time. Colby uh, Covington, the you suck. Right yeah, yep. El Kakui with whatever raver song that is that he comes out to every time. <laughs> California Love for you know Uriah Faber, Return of the Mac for Anthony Smith. Like there's certain ones, but Zombie by Cranberries yes. is like synonymous with Korean Zombie. And for the whole crowd to be singing it as he's walking out, and it's a sing-along song, anyways, yeah. but like the stop it was like stopping everything as the whole crowd was just belting it out i mean it was goosebumps as he walks out and that was special and then the actual fight i mean he's getting pieced up but then in the most zombie way possible he knows he's down two rounds to nothing and his only chance he has to win the third round and just to go like Oh, fuck it. I'm going out on my shield. I'm either going to win this round or I'm getting put to sleep. And unfortunately, he got put to sleep. Yeah. But then is he the one that really hit me? And it, I, I shit you guys not. I It legitimately brought a tear to my eye. As he was walking out, 
and I'm getting fucking goosebumps talking about it. Whoever was in charge of the PA started playing zombie again as he was walking out and you saw him and we've, <clears throat> excuse me, we've saw him, we've talked about a couple of times, like enjoying the moment. Yes. And for him, you saw him just stop. He's there with his wife as the whole crowd is just singing it again Ugh. on his way out. His wife's crying and they're just looking around like, wow. Like think about as a human being, what that must feel like to know that you did what you loved and you made that impact on people. Yeah, it's it's the perfect song for him. It's one of the few times I don't I don't always listen to commentary. I don't always watch the walkouts. It's one of those magic moments that I got to see. And I, I'm glad that you're bringing this up too, because like I said, I, I just felt like it was worthy of being mm -hmm. mentioned, but I just, we didn't have a category for it, right? And for sure, guys, you know, when you follow us on X. And, <laughs> At number one BS pod. And you're listening podcast of choice. Jared does it better than I do. Uh, but <laughs> for sure, give us suggestions for categories like this, because I, we just didn't have a category for it. It's our first time doing this, but that was something. And I heard it in your voice, but I thought you had something else up your sleeve, right? Because I was mm -hmm. like, okay, well, he has, I might bring up this moment. He has another moment. It's going to be fun to see what you're saying. It is one of these things where it's just like, what a beautiful send off to a song that I was singing along in the crowd, right? Mm -hmm. Like I sing, when Wonder Boy comes out, I sing Wonder Boy. I just do, <laughs> right? I just do. Yeah, beautiful moment. And a better man couldn't have deserved it, right? No. And one of the the things then that that I want to talk about, you know, we talked about being on the same wavelength for that, uh, is just some of the stuff that uh, you know, wrapping up this first calendar year of the podcast. You know, we've been doing it for we've been releasing them for six months, uh, and just want to talk about some of the work that went into that uh, because there uh, we spent a lot of time on this. For you know, as I I hope you guys can tell how passionate about this we are and and how much we love doing what we do but we didn't want it to be bush league we didn't want it to be something where somebody tuned in and was like oh this is like this is bad right like this is yeah like this is embarrassing to have these people have this out in the world yeah uh, so you know and some of you might still think that but uh fuck off we're having fun um but, A blast yeah we we recorded 21 episodes with all of the research everything before ever releasing a single episode to to you guys and that's part of that is just our personalities the kind of we want to be good at what we do uh but but part of that too is just wanting to make sure that we give this the due like what what it truly deserves because what we talk about are people that Put their health at risk. We saw it last week with Bryce Mitchell, Josh Emmett. Mm. And so, you know, we we try to be positive. We wanted to make sure that that we had a certain tone about us where we captured the friendship, you know, best friends talking about something that they love to do and and doing it in a respectful way uh, because neither one of us is a fighter. Neither one of us is ever going to step into a cage uh, for a bout of fisticuffs. <laughs> so as you can tell by me referring to it as fisticuffs. Um, but so, 
you know, we tried to keep that positivity. I mean, heck, we were even doing the F updates for a month before we released uh, any of it because we wanted it to be practiced. Uh, you know, countless hours of watching the fights. And and I remember, uh, you know, I don't think we've ever mentioned it on the podcast, but you know, DJ and I, like, we were in a band together when we were in high school. And I, and I remember being a, a teenager, a fucking kid, and being so excited. We'd recorded a demo and getting it played on the radio and just, like, that excitement of learning new songs and I remember my wife had designed the pod or the the logo, which was you know family affair. Here you hear us talk about our families, um, but then that excitement of seeing it get posted mm-hmm. on on all you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that kind of stuff, and, and calling you like that giddy child, you know, when when we had song ideas of just like oh I, I are you seeing this? We're on fucking Apple Podcast, and then you know almost daily calls even back in february when and you guys will never ever hear those because they were horrible <laughs> like if you think it's if if you think it's bad now once again well fuck you uh, <laughs> but but also like those ones were bad like admittedly bad and just calling each other like oh shit i got this idea let's do this let's do that and it's been it's been a lot of fun and it, it's been a crazy journey Journey stepping out of <laughs> stepping out of our comfort zones like we're old we don't do social media like doing that has been bizarre you know putting something out there that we know it's not going away it, it's out there you know having to be able to let go of something and not want it it not being perfect and mm-hmm. and having to swallow that and, and accept it um yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. And and I want to kind of even expand on that because there is a little perfectionism in us that we that we strive for that we know we're never going to get. This is this has been a big ego check for both of us where it's been a beautiful thing where I'm I'm just going to expose some of the some ideas. This is Jared's brainchild. Jared had, did a couple podcasts on his previous jobs and he wanted to do a podcast. The podcast was going to start off to be a football slash MMA podcast. <laughs> and I'm just going to get, we, you might not hear our first podcast that we were doing, but our very first podcast, the podcast outline is Super Bowl talk first and then UFC 284, right? But this <laughs> is, and, and us talking and saying, man, what do you really want this to be? You know, Jared, Jared was like, I don't want to do this by myself. I, I want to have someone that I can at least talk to. So the idea was, DJ, just sit in a room with me, hit record. I'll talk to you. You don't have to talk. And then it kind of went, well, maybe you could say something here and there. And it was like, man, if I'm going to do this, I don't watch football like that. I, I don't keep up with it. It's not something that keeps my interest. To meld it to what it is now, for us to have the obsessive talks about, man, I'm saying um too much. I'm saying these <laughs> things that we still do now, but hearing it back in the uh, back at the beginning – it is, I remember us going to whatever that bar was, the beer garden or whatever it was in Briar Creek and sitting down with a notepad and being like, what do we want this to be, right? What is this going to be to now where it almost feels like it's Sunday. I record is such a beautiful thing. I want to thank you mm-hmm. for bringing me along because this wasn't something that was coming off from my idea. This was something that you were wanting to be a part of, but we had... 15 years or whatever it was prior to this of us literally doing what we do on the podcast on the phone, right? Literally did now don't get me wrong. We're 
being a little bit more intentional with watching fights, stuff like that. But this is what we were doing on the phone, being excited. And even just to be like, you guys, we had conversations like how professional do we want to, how smarty pants do we want to sound? And that's where you got the theme song that you get is us just being like, what does this sound like? It sounds like jock rock pretend radio, but we <laughs> want to do it in our voice. And we're going to have fun with it. I hope you guys have fun with it because after almost a year of us doing this, some of it behind the scenes, some of it in front of the scenes, we talk about this all the time. We're excited about it. We have fun things coming up that we're really excited about. And seeing one person listen to it that first time, we have one yeah. listen, was <laughs> the most exciting thing when you have a social media world of people listening to millions. You know, they put out a video and two hours later they have 500,000 hits. And we're like, we got two, man. That's what's up. It is. Fuck yeah. And, and we're not <laughs> saying that in terms of like, Oh, we only have two. It's like, I can't believe that two people listen to us and talk about it and interact with Jared on Twitter. So thank you. This has been so fun. Um, I'm hanging up the headphone. No, I'm joking. No. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of these things that we listen to other podcasts and we say, do we sound good? We're not trying to give you guys a bullshit Bush League product, but ultimately we want you guys to know who we are. And I think, I think, Jared, you driving this ship. It's it's been a beautiful thing, man. I I truly truly appreciate that, man. The, and and I appreciate everything uh, that you have done, and and you know the the motivation, like all of that, trusting the the vision, um, and and those words you said, man. I'm I'm tearing up over here. So truly truly appreciate it. Um, I know there was a bunch of fight announcements this week, guys. Uh. But you can listen next week. Uh, we'll we'll talk about some of those announcements next week, as as well as a look forward to 2024 with uh, you know upcoming fights, what we're excited about, as well as some some exciting upcoming things for the podcast. Uh, but this feels like a a great place uh, to wrap up 2023. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, as always, appreciate y'all for listening. Love and respect. Later. <laughs>